listening to Victory Alabang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Good morning, everybody. Uh, good morning, Victory family. How are you guys doing this morning? All right. You know, it's, uh, it's so good to see more and more people congregating in this uh, facility. For those of you, well, uh, you know, worshiping with us at home, we'd like to welcome you all. Uh, hope that you have felt uh, the, even the ministry of the Holy Spirit that we have felt earlier. Uh, my name is Pastor Ariel. I'm one of the pastors of this congregation in Victoria Labang. And, um, you know, welcome to church. And this is really what church is. It's not just coming to a building or coming to a place. It's really us congregating as the people of God. The church is ecclesia. Uh, you know, it's a Tagalog iglesia. It's uh, called out once, a gathering of God's people. How many of you have been called by God to serve? Can you just lift up your hand? Can we just give the Lord a hand and a praise for what He's doing in our lives today? And for those of you at home, um, we hope that you are well. We are now on alert level two, and uh, I think uh, more and more people are able to go out from their homes. I see a lot of young uh, kids running in the mall yesterday uh, here in Festival Mall. COVID cases are down from, you know, now at least, I, I guess about two, five or less uh, from a high of 20,000 uh, in the previous months, but the quarantine is getting a bit easier, and I believe that, uh, you know, things would be better. How many of you are praying and expecting God to, uh, you know, just to, to move on our behalf, amen, as a nation, as families, uh, but yet, you know, even if kids are allowed to go to the mall, we don't have kids search uh, yet. Uh, we have still to prepare uh, for that because, uh, you know, when kids congregate in a certain uh, you know, certain classroom, they don't know what physical distancing is all about, Pastor Carlo, right? And so, um, yeah, so we still remain online for the kids, but um, we do want to welcome everybody. We're slowly uh, growing our number here, but we're still uh, looking at uh, maintaining strict um, health protocols. We're now on week number five for our nearest seri- nearness series, and uh, we're still going through the book of Isaiah. And we're talking about how God continues to keep His covenant with us. You know, earlier in our worship, and I'm not sure if you felt that, but you know, somehow the Spirit of the Lord was just ministering to all of us today. A fresh breath of encouragement, a fresh breath of hope, you know, life, you know, as we have known it. Yes, the pandemic has somehow stopped us from our regular routines. But how many of you know that nothing can stop the kingdom of God from advancing? Amen. Nothing can stop even God Himself from from ministering to His people. And yet, we have yes, we have gone through a lot of pain and grief and loss during the past 20 months, almost two years. But I believe that ultimately God's faithfulness will always prevail. And He is faithful. He loves us. He cares for us. And we may have been going through a very difficult time, but you know that does not diminish the love of God for each and every one of us. If you are here today, uh, this morning, can you just look at a person beside I know that we're all in masks. You are. You are. I'm not, okay, because I'm preaching. Uh, but can you just go and turn to the person beside you and just, with your eyes, if you can do this, just tell that person, God loves you, Okay. And I believe that we all need to hear that regularly. God loves us. Because sometimes with all these things that's happening, you know, we tend to question, is God really here? I mean, 
is God really present in our midst nowadays? And this is the reason why we have entitled this series, Nearness. Because God is near. He is Emmanuel. God is with us. His nature, His character are unchanging. He is immutable. His word will always you know, be, be there. It will never fail. How many of you have promises that you are, you are claiming from God? The promise of God are yes and amen in Christ. Amen. And so if you are believing God for breakthroughs, if you are believing God for healing, continue to just, uh, you know, to, to, to wait on God and pray and just ask the Lord, believe God because God's uh, word is always faithful. I mean, it's always, uh, it, it'll never fail. And our sins, even our faithlessness, will never be able to stop His redemption, His work in our lives. So why don't we go ahead and uh, read our uh, text for today. And we're still continuing in our series, Nearness. Still in the book of Isaiah, why don't you open in Isaiah chapter 59, and we will be reading from verse 14 to 21. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 14 to 21. And we're going to be looking at uh, an attribute of God, God's righteousness. And I, I think that the title of this uh, sermon is God's Mighty Rescue and how God rescues us from our sins. Isaiah chapter 59, I'd like to invite everyone to uh, stand with me as we give uh, attention to the reading of God's Word. Isaiah 59, 14 to 21. If you are joining us from your own homes, it will be good for you to open a Bible. Uh, it may be a digital device or it may be the physical Bible I'm reading uh, as well. So always good to hear that flipping pages, okay? Isaiah 59, verse 14 to 21. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the public squares and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him, that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, so will he repay. Wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies, to the coastlands he will render repayment. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun, for he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of the Lord drives. Verse 20, and a redeemer, everybody say a redeemer. And a redeemer will come from Zion to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, praise God, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's just pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your promise. Thank you, God, that you have sent your son Jesus to be a warrior redeemer for us, full of zeal so that we can be saved, a mighty rescue that you have sent him, God, so that we can be, Lord, be set free from the bondage of sin. And so I thank you, Lord God, even today, 
may we realize that you are still continuing to move. And even in our midst, God, may you continue to encourage, lift people up, put faith in our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may all be seated. All right. You know, Isaiah is a long prophetic book, you know, 66 chapters. And uh, as we have been going through, treading, you know, through the book of Isaiah the whole year, until December, we're going to be talking about the book of Isaiah. But yet, this is such an interesting prophetic book, you know, because, you know, when you talk about Isaiah, um, it's, it states about the unfaithfulness of the land of Israel. I mean, that was the context, Okay. But yet, we can also find some application that we have in our modern-day scenario as a church. And the first part of Isaiah uh, talks about the judgment of God. And the second part of Isaiah talks about God's deliverance and redemption. Now, how many of you would like to go to the second part already, okay? We don't like to hear judgment and doom and gloom. You know, we've had a lot of that, right? I mean, how many of you have felt like pandemic is almost like a judgment? Wow, what's happening? You know, the whole world has been shut off and shut down. But yet God's deliverance and God's restoration and God's salvation is here, even for us today. Amen. And we're looking for that. Now, this particular chapter, chapter 59, continues with the charges of God against Israel. And, you know, it seems like he was just reminding them what track record they have before him. That none of their righteous acts can actually save them. You know, their sins have been the reason why they were in this situation. Religion has been a cover-up for, cover for their sins. They thought that, you know, the Israelites, the Jews, they thought that if they would just go to church, if they would be, you know, uh, uh, giving their sacrifices or their offerings to the Lord, that somehow God's favor... And blessing would come to them. But there's still a hindrance. And even if they tried to pray and God could not hear because of their iniquities. And we would see that in the first part of Isaiah. There is a hindrance or a blockage of their prayers. Let me ask you this. Have you ever felt that when you pray to the Lord, even for those of you watching, that there's somehow a hindrance or a gap, you know, somehow when you prayed, it does not pass through the ceiling, you know, you're praying, parang boom, nagbabounce back. You pray. Have you ever felt that? You know, in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1, it's interesting that this chapter started off as a reminder of God's, you know, uh, situation or His, his uh, state of, uh, well, case against Israel. He said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have, a have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Wow, what a statement. You know, the problem isn't with God's power or his knowledge or even his interest or his love for his people. The problem is with our iniquities. The problem is with the sins of Israel. And the reason why God was sharing this to them, you know, you know, I am here, I am with you, and I am for you, and I want to be faithful to you. However, your sins, your iniquities, they're the ones that's hindering our relationship. They're the, one cutting, they're the ones cutting off our fellowship. 
sin has separated His people from God. You know, when you talk about sin, how many of you are familiar with sin? Of course, all of us have been sinners. You know, how many of you have, you know, uh, grown up familiar with this scenario, the real, the, the, the nature of sin? Because the reason why people sin is because of the nature that they have, the sinful nature that we have inherited from our great, 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 great father, uh, Adam, and it was passed down from generation to generation. Sin hinders our relationship with God. Sin hinders the blessings of God from coming. You know, that's the reason why, you know, sometimes you feel like, Lord, what's hindering? You know, I could not say it's a, as a general rule, but yet when you talk about sin, definitely it has its consequence and effect. Sin puts a wall in sensing God's love for us. You know, it's interesting that if you look at the whole chapter of Isaiah, chapter 59, their sins are referred to 32 times in this chapter. In different ways, iniquities, sins, defiled by blood, lies, per, uh, perverseness, mischief, violence, evil, and so on and so forth. If you read the whole chapter of Isaiah 59, a different way of saying what sin iniquity is. And God is saying, you know, I can't let you remain where you are. You know, how many of you have actually uh, heard of this statement? And we've said this here, it's okay not to be okay. How many of you have said that? It's okay not to be okay. Can we say that? It's okay not to be okay. But I want to add to that. It's okay not to be okay as long as you don't stay that way. Hello. I mean, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to feel down. It's okay to go, you know, sometimes, you know, be lost because of all these things that's happening to us. It's okay not to be okay. But how many of you know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world? That the Spirit of God is in us, amen? And that he empowers us to overcome. We are more than conquerors. It's okay not to be okay as long as you don't stay that way. Come on now. And I believe that God's taking us further. God's mighty hand of deliverance, salvation, redemption is here. We're not going to be here forever in the pandemic. How many of you know that? I mean, the church history has actually, you know, uh, if you look at history, we've gone through several pandemics. The bubonic plague back in the 18th century, in the 19th century, the, the Spanish flu, and now we're, we're going through this, COVID-19. But how many of you know that there is an end to this pandemic? Amen? But yet, when you talk about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and forceful men will lay hold of it. Amen. And we are the church and we are the children of God. We are salt and light. And I believe that God is going to bring down a fresh anointing upon His people in these last days. The world is scrambling for answers. They're thinking that it's science, it's medicine, it's the government, you know, it's this policy, or it's a senator, or this is president. Can you imagine that? The reality is the answer lies in God alone. And as a church, we are the bearer of good news. Amen. You know, how sad to see the depth. You know, if you, if you, look, at, if you look back at Isaiah 59, you know, God was looking at the depth of how they have backslidden as a nation. The city of God, Jerusalem, 
And we just read it a while ago. There was no justice. There's no light, no hope, no way of escape, no joy. It's as if he's describing our situation nowadays. <laughs> no joy, no hope, no light, no just, you know, it's. But the responsibility for the fault and the blame does not lie with God. It's with God's people. There was no lack of compassion or mercy on his part. The problem was the pervasive corruption of sin in the hearts of men. And I believe that God is restoring a fresh love for his word and for him nowadays. It's almost like God has taken us for a big reset. And we're going back. I will not stop. We sang that song. Tell every tribe and nation, you know, I will not go back. I don't want to go back to the way it used to be. Amen. Because God is doing something new. It, you know, there's a never-ending unfaithfulness and rebellion for God's people then. My hope and my prayer is that God will show us the way. And there's an attribute of God that addresses this human dilemma. And this is what you call His righteousness. Everybody say His righteousness. I'd like to make this statement. God's righteousness is His natural expression of His holiness. That's His righteousness. In the Old Testament, you know, this refers to us God being straight. In the New Testament, it refers to being equal. In a moral sense, it means that God is always right. That's why it's called righteousness. How many of you know there's nothing wrong with God? God is perfect. And I believe that when you talk about righteousness, when it comes to us human beings, there is a certain standard that we are to meet and we are not to go down to self-righteousness. Sometimes we relate with God. We're on our, our, our own self-righteousness. We come to Him because, you know, I did this. I read my Bible today. I prayed. You know, I felt good. I came to church. gave my offering. God, thank you for the poggy points. How many of you know that that is not the type of righteousness that God is demanding from us? Jesus said, be perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect. That is what righteousness is all about. Being equal to the measuring rod of God's righteousness. And how many of you know that is so impossible to attain? Uh-uh. Can't, can't reach that level. Only God can make us righteous. Amen. You know, when we say God is just, we are saying that He always does what is right and what should be done. And the righteousness of God is virtually synonymous to also His justice. That is what justice is all about. Justice is not just about fairness. Because sometimes when you talk about justice, you see the symbol of justice as a scale, and you think that justice is being fair. But justice is embracing the will of God based on His holiness. That is what justice is all about. And sometimes we pray, you know, we're asking, Lord, Lord, give justice. You know, you don't know what you're praying for. We need to be careful to pray for justice. For example, as a father, you know, we have, well, now we have all girls in the family. Uh, you know, can you imagine if you're a parent and you've got two kids going for the same toy? Okay? How many of you can relate with this? 
of all the toys you have in the toy room, they always go for one particular toy. And so, they're fighting over this toy. They're pulling this toy and until, you know, one cries, one punches the other one. And so you come in, you discipline. And then what is, as a parent, what do you do? You now find justice. What do you normally ask? Who got the toy first? So we think that it's fair that the first child who got the toy should get the toy because that's justice. But when you look at God's perspective of justice, He does not look at who got the toy first. But God sees two children that are selfish and are greedy and that are guilty. That is justice. It comes from His point of view of being holy and upright and perfect. So it's not about just giving the toy to the first one as a parent now, we come and discipline both. That is what justice is all about. Interestingly, in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, it says in the NIV version, For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. The gospel, the good news, that Jesus Christ came here. He was the one who brought in the righteousness for us. Apart from Christ, we're not righteous. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, a very familiar verse. God made him who, knew, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him, in whom? In Christ, we can become the righteousness of God. It is only through Christ that you and I can be righteous. Amen. There's, not, not, there's nothing that we can do to make us holy and righteous. You mean, Pastor A, victory weekend is not enough? It helps. But let me just tell you this. Victory Weekend will not make you holy. Victory Weekend, coming to church, coming to victory, attending a small group does not make us righteous. It is the righteousness that comes from God through Christ that makes us holy. Now, how many of you are righteous and holy? Please raise your hand. Not because of what you do, but because of what Jesus Christ did for you. Can you please raise your hand right now? It's okay. I know you're all humble here. Or maybe you're not sure. <laughs> that we might become the righteousness of God. It's a progressive statement. We might become means that there is a transformative power to His righteousness. Because, you know, maybe what we're saying is, Pastor, when you're asking if I'm holy or righteous, I have not attained yet. Yes, I, I'm not saying that you've attained what I'm saying is, are you there? Did you receive the righteousness of Christ? And He is constantly transforming us more and more into His image. How many of you know that none of us is perfect? Not even the pastors preaching here. Not even your victory group leader. Not even, you know, whoever discipled you. We are not perfect. And the only time we'll be perfect is when Jesus appears or when we meet Him in the air or when we finally go back to heaven. That's the only time when we attain perfect righteousness. But yet, wherever we are right now, this is not our final self. You know, sometimes you get frustrated, right? Because, you know, we want to do things, but yet we always go back. God wants to transform us into the image of Christ. I believe that when you talk about change, this is the ultimate change, transformation. Change is a gift. The transforming power of the gospel. 
The transforming power of the Holy Spirit is a gift of God to us. Three things I want, three things I want to talk about in this text very quickly. Number one, God sees us in our helplessness. God sees us in our helplessness. Verse 15, it says, Truth is lacking, and he who departs from evil makes him a prey. The Lord saw it. How many of you know that God saw what you did last summer? And even yesterday, and even last week, and even last month, God sees everything. Sometimes when you talk about God seeing everything, it's a scary thing. But yet, when you are in a situation that is desperate, and you need help, and salvation, and redemption, the thought of God seeing you is a good thing. Amen. And we pray, God, do you see my situation? Do you see my desperation? Do you see my mental illness? Do you see my, my problem with my death? Do you see my problem with my sickness? Do you see my, my cancer? Do you see my problem with my marriage? God sees. God knows our weakness. And I praise God that He sees all the time. It's kind of like the story of Hagar, you know, you know the story of Abraham when Abraham and Sarah could not bear children. So Sarah gave his maidservant Hagar. And so Hagar bore the first son of Abraham. And so eventually when, when Sarah got pregnant, they sent her away. And Hagar was in the middle of a desert and God appeared through an angel. And she declared this, Elroy, God sees him. God sees me. And I finally saw him who sees me. My prayer is this. We know that God sees us. But may this time of pandemic, whether we're in the middle, close to the end, or I don't know if we're ending already. We don't know. May we see the God who sees us. Amen. That's my declaration. God sees our struggles. God sees our pain. God sees our grief. God sees our loss. God sees our desperation. And after seeing sin so many times, sometimes we get desensitized to it. That is, does not affect us anymore. But God is somehow very much still affected by it. You know, the Lord created this world to be perfect. And He knows how things should look when justice and righteousness prevail. He is displeased, though, when He sees a perverse society where no justice exists. And this is exactly what He was talking about. There's no more justice, no more righteousness in the nation of Israel. And when God sees that in society, He's also about to move and bring justice and righteousness in that particular situation. Kind of like a mom fixing a house. You know, it's perfect already. And then the kids come in with their friends, you know, and then in, without any, you know, uh, announcement, they invite their friends to come to the house and eat dinner. And so they ransack the home. And the friends leave the mom tells the kids, okay, I want you to fix the house the same way I fixed it. How many of you know that sometimes it's impossible to have that? But God is in the process of restoration, restoring everything. God also saw that there was no human being who could mediate between His people and Himself. Who could appeal effectively to Him? That's why He said there's only one mediator between God and man, and that is Christ Himself. Bottom line, we can't save ourselves. God sees 
That's why he's moving. Second point is God is displeased and is raging against sin. God does not want us to be trapped in this sin. Yes, God forgives. God is merciful. But God wants us out of it because sin has consequences. It's like cancer. It spreads. Verse 59, uh, verse 16, chapter 59. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation. You know, this is referring to Christ himself. And his righteousness upheld him. The divine warrior dresses for battle to accomplish the victory himself. He saw no man to intercede. He saw no man who can actually do the work. So what's the, what did he do? He dressed himself up with his own arm, sent his own son, righteousness and restoration and redemption is coming. That's exactly what God did for us. The most striking part is not the depravity, but there's no one to do it. Ezekiel 22, 33, uh, 30 says, I searched for a man among them who would build a wall and stand in the gap before me for the land so that I would not destroy it, but I found none. There's no man who can qualify. That's why he sent the Lord Jesus. Verse 17, it says, He put on a righteousness as a breastplate, a breastplate and a and helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. And there's a raging warrior who ardently fights for our salvation. That's how God is for us. He is full of zeal so that we can actually be taken out of our misery. Jesus waged war against sin and even the effects of it. As a warrior preparing for a battle, the Lord made ready to defend His people. And I believe that there is nothing that can neutralize sin except God Himself. I mean... How many of you are grateful for the fact that God has saved us? Amen. And the transformation that people have, you know, before that it's a gradual transformation. We are still work in progress. But that we know that God is moving. We know that our nature changes. The moment that you put your faith in the Lord, guess what? You are now a child of God. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, you are a child of God. Act like it. Believe it. Live like it. The biggest problem in this world right now as we live is not the pandemic. It's not economics. It's not the lack of vaccine or the, you know, the different kinds of vaccine. It's, it's not the conspiracy. It's still sin. That's the problem of humanity today. More than the pandemic, bottom line is sin. It's always important to identify the root of the problem so that we can identify what the problem is. Right diagnosis will lead to the right solution. If we think that the pandemic is the problem, we will put our hope in medicine, in science, even in the government, in economics. But the problem is not that. When we have been facing with problems even before the pandemic and after it, guess what? It's still causing us suffering. Sin is the one that does it. Sin is the one that causes suffering, pain, anxiety, fears, grief. And this pandemic has been blown out of proportion. We know that. Things seem to be getting better, but yet other problems are now coming out. Division, harshness, meanness, 
Are you familiar with the cancel culture? You know, because of all the things that's happening, you know, we are now getting meaner instead of getting wiser. Violence, not to mention the economic problems, continuous battles sickness, and even death. And different governments and experts are figuring out how to address the problems that humanity is facing today. From vaccine to COVID medicine to lockdown to mass to zero carbon print to reduction of nuclear arms, the issue ultimately is not the pandemic. The real underlying problem of humanity is sin. And in order for us to be saved from that, we need a Savior. And we know that. Lust and unfaithfulness, not COVID, will break marriages. Pride and greed causes wars. Anger and rage kill people. Addiction will ruin lives. It's still the problem with sin. God is a raging warrior against our sin. Finally, the third point is this. God redeems us from our sin. It's okay not to be okay as long as you don't stay that way. God ultimately will take out sin from us. And the Redeemer that was spoken here is Jesus. And we talk about redemption. Redemption means to deliver by paying a price. And the New Testament records the fulfillment of all Old Testament prophecies of redemption through the sacrifice ultimately of Jesus Christ Himself. He is the High Priest, a Redeemer to come to uh, Zion in verse 20. To those in Jacob who turn from transgressions, declares the Lord. The righteousness of God brought our Redeemer, Christ. God is reaching out to us. Ultimately, sin is a problem. God does not want us to be separate from Him. He wants fellowship with His people. Verse 21 says, And as for me, and I love this verse, and I'd like to end here. This is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offsprings or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. And the promise of redemption is what you call the new covenant. And this new focus on the Holy Spirit that we see here is the Holy Spirit is constantly moved. That's why, you know, I love that song earlier. We're making room for the Holy Spirit to move. We're allowing Him to minister to us. Ultimately, you know, this problem that we have right now cannot be fixed by science or medicine or government. It's the Holy Spirit working in us and through us, redeeming us. My prayer is this, that we will all be more sensitive to the workings of the Holy Spirit in our lives daily. That we would actually come before Him and draw near and lean in and allow Him to move and speak to us through His Word. That we will have greater love for God's Word. You know, it takes so much discipline, yet so little time to just put in and hear the voice of God speak to us on a single day, every single day. If we will just pause and stop and open up our word and read. How many of you are grateful that you can read? I mean reading 
being literate is a gift. But if you don't read, you have no advantage over one who cannot read. We need to go and open our word and allow the word of God minister to us and take and make the Holy Spirit take that word from the Bible and minister to each and every one of us. And this is God's promise that whatever it is that He is doing in our generation, that He will pass it down to the next generation and to the next generation. That's the reason why we're all here. I believe that God's righteousness, God's redemption is coming. Yes, it's here in the church. My prayer is that we will also be able to pass it down to our children. And all throughout Scripture, we see this red thread of redemption starting from Genesis to Revelation. You know, when Adam fell, when he ate the fruit, you know, there was a separation and you know, he suddenly felt shameful and he felt naked because of the effect of sin over himself. But what did God do? He searched for Adam and he made clothing for them. And he covered their iniquity and he covered their bodies. You know what? In order for God to cover man with animal skin, some animal has got to die. And that's the picture of redemption. Fast forward to the New Testament, we see the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There's no Lamb like Christ. He's the only one. One sacrifice that is perfect is able to eradicate the sin of mankind. And all we got to do is to go back to Him and receive His gift of salvation and redemption for all of us. What do we need to do today to be saved and redeemed? You know, we were all born to sin. But yet, God's offering this free gift of salvation for us. Maybe you're here watching in your own home and you have not done that yet. Or maybe some of you are here. Maybe you just found out that there's a church here and you went up the escalator and suddenly you're here. It's not an accident that you're here. God brought us here. Amen. I want to end with this statement before we pray. The God who sees us in our mess is the God who redeems us from our sins. He will never give up on us. Amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalamang.church.